It's always nice we can go over a Christmas weekend and pick up a guy that's probably going to start for Freedom you. temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining us today, Montgomery Radio vet Daryl Daprich. Thanks for coming on the show, my friend. We've got a lot to get to and an article that you and I think is hysterical from an Alabama blogger, which kind of shows that they're a little scared. We'll touch on that in a bit, Daryl. But Mm -hmm. first things first, we got to talk about Auburn's probably new starting left tackle, Dylan Wade, the transfer from Tulsa. Auburn really wanted this guy, and they went out and got him. He's got three years left of uh, eligibility, Daryl, which I think is nice for beyond 2023, obviously, as Hugh Free starts to build something here. But if he's your starting left tackle this upcoming season, he's probably your starting left tackle for multiple seasons, and there's plenty of reasons to love that. Really is. And I think something else from, first of all, a happy Boxing Day to you and to all the, the listeners out there. It's, yep. we, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. So I think one of the things, though, to look at is I read a little bit on Dylan Wade. There's two things that jump out at me that I'm, well, that I'm very excited about besides the obvious of getting a, a ready-to-start tackle right in the portal. That's, that's obvious. That's the no-brainer. There are two things that I looked at when I dug a little deeper. Number one, as we know, Auburn beat USC head-to-head for him. So that's important when you go head-to-head against the big boys. I know Lindsey sure. did a great job. Uh, you, you both did laying that out yesterday. When you flip people or you win recruiting battles, if you're beating out Georgia Tech or Vanderbilt or, you know, some of the, some of, that's one thing. But when you're going head-to-head against Ohio State, Florida State, USC, and you're not only flipping, but you're winning these, these battles, that's big. Yeah. So to get him away from USC was big. Number two – I've read where he has the flexibility to play left tackle or right tackle. So you may say, well, what does that mean? Well, we know that a right-handed quarterback, a left offensive tackle is very important because it's covering his blind side. So you want the best tackle on your roster to start there. Let's say another left tackle looms large in the portal and Mm -hmm. Auburn can go get him. Well, they're not landlocked now. They're not going to say, well, he's a left tackle and Wade plays left tackle, so we can't go get him. Sure. You could slide Wade to the right tackle spot if you see a left tackle out there that's really, really good uh, and that's in the portal and that plays that position and is more natural that position. So I think the flexibility of letting him, of him being able to play right tackle as well is very big for Auburn. Yeah, and he played right tackle in his role two years ago. In 2021 for Tulsa, he only played a handful of snaps. He was not a routine starter, but he played right tackle in 21. Last year as a full-time starter for Tulsa is when he played left tackle. So he's done both, not at an SEC level, but he's done it at a D1 level, which you love to see. There's nobody else on this roster currently that can say that. So looking at this now, Daryl, he's a starter, right? He started in 2023 unless something goes very wrong. I think Xavier Miller as a starter as well, the number one Juco tackle flipped him from Ole Miss and he signed with Auburn last week. I think those are your tackles, Daryl. And then, all right, so you're two-fifths of the way there. And then you look at, okay, I think Auburn's going to try to land 
a transfer center. They've certainly been trying up to this point, and they haven't really landed um, some of their targets so far, but I don't think they're going to just stop with the pursuit of that. But worst case, you don't land a center in the transfer portal. I think Connor Lou is probably the starter there. Is that fair to say? I think so. I think because of his size, and I know Tate Johnson got some starts, but I just think he's still got a – he's just undersized. I think Connor Lou is that rare – yeah, guy that can come in and start as a freshman. And Auburn's had, you know, very rarely if, has, has had that along the offensive line. Lee Zimba comes to mind, somebody that did that. But I think Connor lose your fallback, but I still think Auburn gets a center yeah. in the portal. And I think that you've got Jeremiah Wright as your guard penciled in. He was just a road grader. He was nasty. He was a monster. So yeah. you're starting to see the pieces come together. Yeah, he, he's your left guard, I, I think, mm-hmm. right now, based on where he played last year. Most of his snaps were at left guard. All of them may have been at left guard, now that I think about it. Uh, and then, to me, there's still a question mark at that right guard spot. We'll right. have to see what they do with that. But we're starting to get a clearer picture of what the biggest question mark was about this roster. With just these two additions, I, 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 a tackle is starting to answer a lot of questions for us. Well, what I think is is also important when you talk about Wade, you know, Auburn signed five offensive linemen in this recruiting class, which is Mm -hmm. unheard of. I mean, I can remember years going into signing day where all the experts and all the pundits would say, well, Gus Malzahn better sign at least four or five offensive tackles. And we couldn't get it done. Never happened. So you sign five, but you've got a kid that you get from the, the portal that's got three years. So that's like having six, right? As far as future sure, yeah. guys, uh, you know, I think Miller is Miller got one more year left or I'm trying to remember, trying to recall if he's got one or two. No, um, I think he's got two. Yeah. So, you know, it, you, you can get guys that can start to develop that start to, you know, basically uh, you're not going to have to have them all play. Obviously at once you're getting, you're building depth and you're letting guys develop. And we know, Let's just be honest. As a freshman coming in, offensive tackle is the hardest position to make an immediate impact. It takes right. the longest to me to develop as, as as far as as opposed to the skill position. So that's nice. It's like you've signed six or seven, and and they're not done. I mean, they're going to go get two more. Mm-hmm. All 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 signs point to two more offensive linemen in the portal. And one is a center, right? One yeah. definitely interior. And then I bet they try to get one more tackle. I don't know. I, I think that sales pitch gets a little bit tougher right now that you've kind of got this and, you know, they're thinking the same thing that we're just saying. It's like, well, it looks like they've got two starters, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe they go out and get somebody. It's like, hey, you can compete with both of these guys. You know, we certainly haven't promised any positions or anything like that. But I do think the quest of getting another like home run, uh, home run transfer at tackle, I do think that path is a little steeper now. I think it's just, it is what it is. You know, it's interesting because I don't know if it was a combination of ineptitude, laziness, or what you've spoken to with last year. I think it was a hard sell to get offensive, ta- we've said this before, to get offensive linemen to come in here because Auburn pretty much made it known that the, the, the starting line, linemen and then yeah. the guys that there were two or three other guys that played significant snaps. We're all coming back. So what lineman, what tackle, what guard wants to come into that situation? And, of course, not knowing that Nick Brahms wasn't going to take a snap for Auburn this year, maybe Auburn could have got a center in the portal. Yeah, that, that was killer. That was that killer. That killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that everybody chose to come back for their 10th year of college football, it seems like, 
and then they didn't all play. Like that's right. just that's a huge bummer. And uh, there's really no other way. Um, there's really no other way around that, Daryl. All right, I want to touch on one of the more ridiculous things that I've read in recent memory. Daryl, I sent it to you. Um, we're both well versed. We were chomping at the bit to talk about it uh, as soon as we connected. So we'll touch on that in just a moment, right here on Locked On Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the best place to find any type of potential future hire. Because look, LinkedIn realizes that these days, every new hire for a small business, it's a big deal. It's a do or die type situation. You want to get the right people. And most times you want them quicker um, than, you know, kind of lollygagging around and taking a few months to bring somebody in. LinkedIn Jobs understands that. So you head over to LinkedIn.com slash locked on college and you can post your job for free. And they have several different tools to make sure you get the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn Jobs slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Daryl Daprich, our guest on this wonderful, wonderful Tuesday. So the fan-sided site, it's called BamaHammer.com. The, just, just the name itself. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, no, there, there's a lot to there's a lot to poke at this. Yeah. The the title of the article, Daryl. Mm-hmm. Alabama football colon at the opposite end of the recruiting world. There's Auburn and the guy who wrote it. His name is Ronald and Ronald is making the case that Hugh freeze is not a good recruiter. He makes several claims that what Auburn did over the last few weeks was not impressive and that Hugh freeze was only able to do it because of Zach Etheridge and Carnell Williams and Christian Robinson. He mentioned, which I think is rather funny too. Uh, how many linebackers signed with us? Well, and then the, one of the guys he attributes to that. There's so many things about this that that just. First of all, I you know lately I have been really getting into comedy shows, Netflix comedy shows, going to see comedians live. Right. Sure. So thank you for sending this to me because it gave me one of the biggest laughs. It just kept the momentum rolling with my comedy thing. I, yeah. Every paragraph there's a new punchline. It, it, here's the thing. When you write something like this and you can you tell right away it just leaps off the page at you when it's emotional writing, when there's when there's a level of butt hurt to it and and a little bit of fear, it just oozes off the page. And so it's hard for me to even wanna at first the initial thing is you talk about it, you give credence to something that's not worth giving any kind of credence to. But it's so yeah. comical, right? That you don't wanna you don't wanna validate it. Because it's it's it comes across as one fanboy emailing another fanboy saying, "What do you think about Hugh Freeze? Uh, he, you know, what, what do you think about his recruiting class?" And then the other one trying to ease the fears of concern. Yeah. Oh, it, it's uh, not a concern. His fanboy friend, right? And say, "Oh, it's not a big deal." And so when when that happens, Zach, things that are not fat. Look, I I understand that if you want to write an article when Brian Harson was here and say this program's in trouble. He's lazy, doesn't want to recruit, almost yeah. got a court. All those things are valid. But when you start talking about things and they come across as emotional, not factual, I'll give you one example. The, the trio that you talked about, 
-hmm. not giving Hugh Freeze any credit for this recruiting class going from 60 to 16 based upon the trio that he gives credit to. Well, guess what? That they trio, were they were here. They were on yeah. Brian Harson's staff. So what's changed from when they were on Harson's staff to now when they've shot up the recruiting ranks? Hugh, uh, Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze is here. That's right. He, I mean, he used to not be here. Now he is here. That That's the difference. Yeah. And look, nothing against those guys, right? Nothing against what Etheridge and Coach Williams have done. Uh, th this is not about them. This is just kind of oh. saying this guy's argument is they held it together. And it's like, well, that's not... Um, that that doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense when you're trying to make an argument. Yes, yeah, it has been that trio, especially Etheridge, that has held Auburn's recruiting together. Etheridge is a big part of it. But if you're making if the whole point that, that like Q yeah. Freeze is not it, uh, I, I don't think that entirely makes well, a sense. Well, those guys were those three again, those three were on the staff, not their fault. They were being hamstrung no question. by by a clown that wasn't wanted you to kiss the ring on his office on the way out the door. That was the that was the uh, extent of his recruiting acumen is come right. see me in my office. They were being hamstrung. They were being held back. When they were allowed to freely recruit and Hugh Freeze came in and liberated them, sure. then look what happened. So the common denominator are those three guys, but what changed was Harson to Freeze, and then you saw results. So that's very dishonest. I won't even call it journalism, but writing and reporting when you say that. And then when you also start naming or ranking guys like Dylan Wade and what he was coming out of high school and trying to make – the leak that, first of all, he's not part of a signing class. He's part of a transfer portal class that came in. Yeah, he no, wasn't we'll, the signing uh, day class. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll get to Dylan Wade, yeah. the Dylan Wade part in a second. Um, then he writes, in the short time, Freeze has been with Auburn. Most of his results are meager. Freeze clearly wanted to add at least one or two. And then he says, so far his success has been three-star Hank Brown. According to 247, uh, Brown was the 1,382nd recruit in the 2023 class. You know who he's not talking about? Mm-hmm. I'll let you say it. Uh, flipping Heldrick Falk? Why isn't he talking about, I don't know, flipping Xavier Miller? I don't know. Why isn't he talking about flipping uh, K.N. Lee? It mm -hmm. just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Where it's like, all right, you're going to talk about the the whole situation where it's like, yeah, let's focus on the quarterback battle. Let's focus on that because all the other quarterbacks already been committed for forever. So like, it's just, it's a bad take. It's lazy and it's disingenuous because you're leaving out the, the best parts of what he's done to make Auburn's class ascend from 60 into uh, you said 16 rivals has them at 16. So we'll go with that. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. The omission, the things that the glaring omissions really, really shine a light on what this article is all about. It's not trying to be balanced or fair or, or lay facts down. Because if you lay facts down, if you're going to mention Hank Brown, then you need to mention that, like you said, Falk and Lee. But he, he, uh, he by design, leaves them out because it kills his narrative mm -hmm. and feeds to the fire of the fear. It stokes the flames of, gosh, they flipped. Falk, they flipped Lee. Don't mention that because then that doesn't uh, that doesn't allow him to push his agenda. No, that's 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 exactly right. That's exactly right. And then he mentioned the latest edition is Dylan Wade from Tulsa, and then puts out that Wade was the two thousand four hundred eighth player overall in his class. But like, who cares? Who cares? He he's been solid at Tulsa. 
And I mean, he's he's an SEC caliber lineman. So what's it matter with what he did in in high school, coming out of high school? And then he says that Freeze and Auburn tried to land Alabama transfer Amari Kite. Kite chose Gus Malzahn and UCF. That was a fifth thing. I don't think they were just kind of like trying to knock the door down for Amari Kite. Every every time you talk about uh, Kite to somebody, they talk about you know, personality and, and, you know, there's stuff happening off the field, you know, tough locker room guy. And it's like, I, I don't think freeze was just dying to have kite. So once again, there's things where it's like, what you're saying is kind of true, but it doesn't really matter. And so to me, Daryl, the bigger thing of this, when people are like, why are you talking about this? You're starting to see Alabama folks punch down and you're not doing that preemptively unless you're concerned about some sort of ascension happening in East Alabama. I, I think that's the big picture here. When you start to launch preemptive strikes like this oh, yeah. and take, and take uh, you know, shots, butthurt articles and emotional articles and do that, you do that. I, like I told you, Alabama had the number one recruiting class in the country. Why do you care that Auburn's mm-hmm. 20th or 16th? Why does a lion concern himself with the doings of a lamb? That, that's the expression – Tony Soprano, you know, he, he versed it. So I think that when you look at that, it, you, you have to have some concern to say it. Look, I want to give two examples. The Dylan Wade thing was comical because, like you said, who cares what you did in high school? Right. It's what he did once he went to college. Grayson McCall was a two-star. Had the uh, academics been in line, he could have been at Florida. He could have been at Auburn. He was coveted. I don't know exactly the rankings of the next guy that I'm going to throw out there. But I can tell you he wasn't a five-star, and he wasn't one of the top 50 receivers in the country. Jordan Addison, I believe, was a three-star, maybe a four, but he wasn't coveted like some of the Alabama recruits are. He goes to Pitt. Last year, he was the most coveted portal transfer, transfer portal guy there was. And Lincoln Riley sold L.A. and Hollywood and all that and got him out to USC. So do we write that he wasn't valuable because he was the 60th rated receiver coming out of high school? No. It's what he did in college, winning the Walitnikoff, that matters. He wasn't all that coming out of high school. He was a good player, but he wasn't the five-star receiving studs that Alabama and Georgia and some of these guys are used to getting or going after. So that that's just – that's comical. It, did you? I mean, it's just – it doesn't – Again, no, it, the integrity awesome. of it. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think it's awesome. I, I think it's awesome in the regards to we did a show on this when we thought we thought Lane Kiffin would be Auburn's next head coach. And I talked about how the rest of the SEC is concerned about it. Mm-hmm. This is the type of stuff that you do when you act like you're concerned about something that may happen. This is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. So is there a part of the Alabama fan base that saw what Hugh Freeze did over the past few weeks and they're trying to downplay it? Maybe. Possibly. Yeah, we don't want we don't want to assume, and we don't want to assume that this guy speaks on behalf of intellectually sure fair-minded, smart, you know, Alabama fans, and there's a ton of them out there. We don't want to act like this guy, you know, represents all them because he probably doesn't. He's in, you know, he he's by himself in his fears writing this. He's living in his fears writing this and trying to for whatever some some somebody flipped a switch or poked something this is this is what it comes down to when you write something like this and again i don't know why and i don't know what precipitated it because alabama had the best recruiting class in the country 
So why should you care? Yeah, why, why are you should focused you care? on it? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I and, and the third paragraph it. says, let's compare. Remember the, the the title in bold says when you're looking at it, mm-hmm. Alabama compared to Auburn. That was the little subtitle of the third paragraph yeah. when he started talking about ESPN 100s and all that. So, yeah, oh, thank wow. you for the laugh. I mean, it's always good to laugh and chuckle during the holidays. Yeah, I, I'm there with you. And I, I think it's great that um, that popped up. That, that popped up. There's no question about it. All right, Auburn's in the running for a very talented transfer running back. Daryl and I will touch on that and what it can mean for Jarquez Hunter and potential running back rotation in 2023 in Hugh Freeze's offense. All right. It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks, and a few becomes a few too many, and it's time to go for a moment. You think of calling for a ride and say, nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home okay. And what are the odds you'll get pulled over? Even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride, drive sober, or get pulled over. Daryl Dapridge, our guest. And I want to talk about Dylan Johnson, the former, <clears throat> the former Mississippi State running back, extremely versatile. They threw it to him a ton by nature of playing an air raid offense at Mississippi State. He's a good runner as well. And it seems like he's down to his final three or four schools. Keith Niebuhr of AuburnLive.com said Auburn, Louisville, South Carolina, and then a potential return to Mississippi State. And then you go to the on three prediction machine, and it's got Auburn favored at 38%, and then has Syracuse at 33%. So I, I don't know what all's going on with that. But um, he visited Auburn, and then he's telling Auburn Live and other sites, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm shutting down the visits. I'm shutting down the visits. And he's going to announce on January 3rd. So let's just speculate for a second that Auburn's a favorite here because it looks like he, they are. What is adding another running back that can do a bunch of different things, both on the ground and through the air, very similar to Jarquez Hunter in that regard? What does that do to the rotation in 2023? What does it do to Jarquez Hunter and his workload? and just the overall offense in your mind, Daryl? I think it's a luxury, not a necessity. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that Dylan well Johnson is a luxury, not a necessity, and I'll tell you why. Cobb, I'm, I've said it before. I will say it. I, I know you're going to get tired of us, like my Camden Brown for this year. Cobb is a freshman that can come in like Judkins did last year for Ole Miss and make sure. it an immediate impact and get meaningful snaps. Don't sleep on Damari Alston. I think Agreed. he's working hard in the offseason. I like him as a running back. And then Jarquez Hunter, who's your returning stud, right, that, that really did a lot of great things. So those three alone yep. would be adequate in a running back room. It can carry you. And really, I would not feel uncomfortable or worried about going in with those three. The only thing that could kind of shake that up a little bit, God forbid, an injury or something like that. Mm-hmm. You take a Dylan Johnson because you never turn down running back depth, but he's a luxury, not a necessity. He becomes a back that can do a lot of different things, but he's going to take carries away from somebody. That's just the law of averages, right? If you've got four running backs instead of three that you're di- you're, you're dividing up <clears throat> carries, somebody's going to get less snaps. Is it Austin? I don't know. Is it Cobb? They want to ease Cobb in and not have to make him you know, carry the ball as much as a freshman? I don't know, but I'm comfortable with the running back room. So again, you take him if he's there, but he's not a necessity. To me, he's just kind of a, a luxury or icing on the cake to a running back room that I've, I'm very high on to begin with. K 
can I look at this negatively for a second? Do you mind? Go I'm ahead. not saying I necessarily believe this, but mm -hmm. I think it's worth asking the question. So, I mean, Johnson, he ran 89 times, 488, three touchdowns last year, caught 48 catches, which is awesome. 48 catches for 285 of the year. If he comes in and Cobb signs in February and all that's done, and so your pecking order, I'm guessing day one, is Hunter, Johnson, Cobb. Do you lose to Mari Austin? Hmm. Does he get lost in the shuffle somewhere? Or does he say, you know what? I'll wait one more year, even though Jeremiah Cobb is younger than me, but at least Jarquez Hunter will be going to the league. And I'll and eventually Johnson get a shot. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. but Johnson's got two years left. You know, is mm -hmm. he NFL good for like, is he one year away from the league? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's that good. I think he's solid. I think he's really good, but I don't think he's like NFL good. I could be wrong. Oh, I am wrong. But it makes you ask the question, like, if you get this guy, do you possibly lose Damari Austin, a guy that's already given a bunch to Auburn? Right. Well, like he's, he was a, he was a better yeah. recruiter than, than than the head coach was. He's a walking marketing uh, totally poster for for Auburn. Does totally. he re refresh my memory? Does he have a he has his red shirt left? Right. He did not. I mean, he could he could. Um, let me look. My gut says yes, but l let me confirm that while you're making because what you could do in that situation, let's just say he does is if you're Hugh Freeze who comes across being very forthright and, you know, very blunt and say, look, you're still a running back of the future for us. It's just the way these things have fallen um, in the pecking order. We don't want you to just be rotting away on the bench. Let's go ahead and preserve you and salvage you and give you a red shirt, and then you'll be back in a two in a two running back stable, maybe three next year. That's what you could sell to Austin if he still has his red shirt left. No, he played in almost every game last year. Okay, so he, here's the other thing, too. <clears throat> so I've been reading some reports and seeing, being, seeing some things from writers that say that Johnson might be leaning towards going back to Mississippi State for a couple of factors. Number one, he has a newborn, right? He has a, a baby that's an hour and 40 minutes away in Greenwood, Mississippi, and I think that pull is pretty hard for a new dad. Sure. Number two, let's just, and, and I hate this because it's I don't want to bring this up because of the tragic Let's be honest, though. When Johnson declared that he was going into the transfer portal, who did he take a shot at? Coach Leach. Who, and Coach Leach is no longer there, tragically. Unfortunately. Right? I'm just, right. Unfortunately, tragically. No, sure. So maybe, so maybe he, he wants to go back now to Mississippi State because there's a different head coach that he butted heads and he did do the right thing. And, and, and the really, you know, he did the really, um, classy thing and came back and said, you know, it's a shame about what happened to coach Leach. We're all still family. He really did walk that back and was very classy no in his question. comments after no Leach passed away. Mm -hmm. But the truth is it looked like he was leaving because of he butted heads with coach Leach. And now mm -hmm. that equation is no longer in play with Arnett being the head coach. I think there it, that, that barrier is no longer there for him to go back to. I'm just saying between that you're right. And the newborn child, it it may have swung the pendulum back to him returning. So that's something to keep an eye on. You're, you're certainly right about that. Daryl, you will join me after Auburn's SEC opener Wednesday. So tomorrow night after Auburn takes on Florida. Hopefully we're recapping a win. We'll be there regardless of outcome, though, live on YouTube. We'll post the audio as soon as we're done. Um, so be able to expect that tomorrow night as well. How else can they find you, my friend? 
Uh, Twitter, DAP6410. Love interacting with your listeners and the viewers of this program. Very, very smart, intelligent, great discourse conversations. And then uh, starting right after the holidays, back on Monday mornings at about 7, 10 a.m. with Ben Taylor, Auburn Opelika this morning. We go for about 20 minutes on a Double D sports segment and have a lot of fun. Yep. Daryl, you are the man. Be sure to give him some love, guys. You can find all of my written work at auburndaily.com. We'll be back tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.